Life Audio. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations. We want families to come here and gain insightful strategies that empower them to successfully teach diverse learners at home. Hosted by founder and CEO of Sped Homeschool, Peggy Ployer. Our goal is that these powerful weekly conversations will boost your confidence to cultivate the best at-home learning environment for your student. For more homeschool resources, go to spedhomeschool.com. You're listening to Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. We'll start the conversation with Peggy and her guests next. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. Well, good day to you. It's Joel with The King Country dropping in to let you know that our brand new film, Unsung Hero, is in theaters now. It's Luke here. We've teamed up with the creators of Jesus Revolution to bring you this adventure of a lifetime. It's a powerful, true story about a family uniting, growing in their faith, and facing the impossible together. In theaters now, unsunghero.movie for more information. Rated PG. Parental guidance suggested. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool, a nonprofit that empowers families to home educate diverse learners. To learn more, visit spedhomeschool.com. Here's Peggy Ployer. We are going to learn how to teach critical thinking and biblical literacy to students of all ages. And my special guest today is David Nekrutman. Welcome, David. I'm glad to have you on the show. Well, greetings from Israel, from the Holy Land. So yes, pleasure to be with you today. Absolutely. We have some different time zones here. And I'm sure those of you that are joining us, uh, maybe we're at a, a different we're at a different time today. So maybe it works out better for you. So I'm super excited if you're joining us live on Facebook, on, on YouTube. Um, we also are now broadcasting to to Twitter. So um, so anyways, just know that if you want to be part of this conversation, we would love for you to put your comments, your questions in the feed. We had some of you send in questions ahead of time, and we're super excited to include those too. Um, so, so we're just going to kind of launch in, and um, we just encourage you to continue to interact with us as, as we discuss um, critical thinking, biblical literacy for all students of all ages or all abilities. Um, and so I'm excited, David, for you to talk about this topic and um, and for taking time out of your schedule to join us. So I would love to just get started, um, to, just to have our audience get to know you a little better um, and, and why you're so passionate about this topic. Well, for me, uh, serving the calling for Jewish Christian relations for over 20 years, wow. I've traveled around the world 
And during COVID, I, I saw more and more parents understanding the biblical values of what homeschool education brings to the family right. and realizing that you're never going to find that in public school education. Absolutely. As the numbers continue to rise, I, um, yeah. Christian grandmothers and mothers that I have uh I've encountered over the 20, over 20 years have asked me to step out of my leadership position, uh, serving the Orthodox Jewish community in enhancing Jewish Christian relations for the last two decades and to step into a new chapter and hmm. elevating uh, how Bible education is delivered to our teenagers today. So more than a devotional approach to scripture, more than memorization Right. chapters and verses. Yeah. How about trying to fuse critical thinking with Hebraic understanding? Mm -hmm. And for the Christian uh, participants of this conversation, uh, this is very much to the heart of how Jesus was taught as a child right. and how he delivered his message to mm. the crowds, to the disciples. If you're, again, you can read it in English, but understand yeah. that Jesus was Jewish grew up in the Judaisms of his day. Yeah. Uh, the There is sort of an inside uh, language that is happening in the conversations between these these Jewish people that's taking place. Uh, so right. if you're not grounded in Hebraic understanding, sometimes you can miss a high definition oh, of absolutely. what's going on. Yeah. Right? So you, yeah. it doesn't take away from what people have learned over the years from these mm -hmm. stories. So for me, look at the infancy stories of Jesus. And if you remember, he escapes from his parents one day and they're looking around, where right. did he go? Uh -huh. And he goes to the temple. They go to the temple and he's having a conversation with the sages who are obviously older than him. Right. Well, how are they conversing? Well, they're, well, Jesus learned the art of the question. And if you look through all the conversations of Jesus, or I should say most of the conversations of Jesus, it's usually taking place with a question. Right. Now, whether I think most of the time Jesus is not answering the question, that's a different, yeah. <laughs> different, different topic to, to discuss. But for Christians who are who are who are committed to the Bible and a relationship with God, then if Jesus was taught a certain way and He's delivering a certain way, then why not try to use that paradigm as opposed that's to trying to buy yes. school books that teach you critical thinking from a secular point of view. The Absolutely. Bible in of itself, if you know how to engage and you're empowered with the tools to mm -hmm. go through a step-by-step -step layering of it, you can come up with what I call the art of the question. It is an art form. And sometimes yes, we don't look at it as an art form. Not to ask a question because you want to ask a question because it's what a gut reaction is. It's, it's engaging with the text but knowing how to engage with the text. And if you allow me one right. one moment before yeah. we go oh, into absolutely. another. Yeah, we love that. If you go into Genesis chapter one, which are, you don't need to know Hebrew, but I'm going to give you a way of how Jesus was taught and probably was teaching. That, remember, at the last verse in the Gospel of John, not everything that Jesus taught was written down. Right, right? exactly. So this is, this is mm -hmm. important. If you look at the first chapter of Genesis, you will notice seven expression patterns. It was evening. It was morning. Uh, God saw. God said. God did. It was so. There are other. There. I can go on and right. on, but let's just deal with. It was evening. It was morning. Okay. Okay. Because that happens every single day of creation, except when you go to Genesis chapter two, verses one through three. Guess what does not appear? 
it was evening, it was morning, and it was the seventh day. So whatever the answer is going to be, whether you accept my revelational nugget mm-hmm. or we bring in biblical excavations in, in this question, the point is you looked at the text, you weren't reading it, you were engaging mm-hmm. with it. By simply going through a critical thinking using the Bible, you right. should come up with the question of why it doesn't appear and right. why it exactly. doesn't appear for the first mm-hmm. six days. What's different for the six days of creation and then on the seventh day of creation? Right. So now the revelational nugget, the revelation nugget is it's important to understand in Hebrew what's evening and what's morning. Hmm. All right. But before I can address that, you have to have this Hebraic concept in the creation narrative. God is the only character. Right. No one's there. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So God is going to be using familiar words in unfamiliar ways. So in, in English, you have evening and it was morning. But in Hebrew, evening is represented by the Hebrew word Erev, E-R-E-V. It's a transliteration. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that Hebrew word also appears in the book of Exodus, chapter 12, verse 38, when the great mixed multitude is going out with the biological descendants of Jacob from Egypt. Uh-huh. So it's mixed okay. up. Okay. So that Hebrew word is important. So if instead of translating it was evening, it was morning, how about in translating it was mixed up? And then morning, yeah, normally that word Hebrew word boker, B-O-K-E-R, as the transliteration, mm-hmm. normally it's translated as morning, but it could also mean clear, right? So right. You, I know that uh, homeschool parents have science books, and they will know that you can only tell evening and morning from the point of the sun, but the sun doesn't appear in the creation narrative to the fourth day. Yes, exactly. So this is just proof that you can't usually use the translations that we're used to in a post-creation narrative right. in the first chapter mm-hmm. of, of Genesis. So how about yes. this? It was mixed up and it was clear, meaning there is a pattern that God is doing in the first chapter of Genesis, which is taking chaos and making it into order. That's so beautiful. every single day, yes. God is ordering some of that chaos. Right. Okay. Now, we know everything was completed before the seventh day came into the world. So if everything is completed, that means there's no chaos. So why don't we have the expression, it was mixed up and it was clear, because you can't have chaos on the seventh day, because everything was ordered. Right. Right? So that's a very simple nugget. The question, you didn't need to have any Hebraic understanding. But you right. had to have how to engage in text properly with the Bible. Yes. And then, obviously, yes. what we d- we're dealing with in biblical excavations is we're fusing critical thinking with Hebraic understanding. The revelational nugget is giving you a concept in Hebraic thought. Mm-hmm. And then we also are giving you the words. And we're transliterating them. And here we are, a nice revelational nugget that when it comes to Sabbath, don't bring your weekday chaos into it. Right. Yes, that's beautiful. After a word from our sponsor, we'll dive back into this conversation. Is it hard to spark meaningful conversations with your kids? Whether you're a homeschool hero, planning activities for the next family vacation, or simply gathering around the dinner table, we've got something that can help. Introducing the Daily Family Conversation Starter by best-selling author Katie Clemens. 
This remarkable book offers 365 imaginative ways to connect with your children in just five minutes each day with prompts like, who made you laugh today? Or what would you do if you had a tail? These simple questions open up a world of laughter, curiosity, and deeper connections. From dinner time to sleepy time, the Daily Family Conversation Starter is your key to creating memories that will last a lifetime. Don't wait to transform your family's daily routine into an adventure of discovery and fun. Grab your copy of The Daily Family Conversation Starter today, wherever books are sold. What impacts you every day? There is one book that influences almost every aspect of our lives. Museum of the Bible reveals the Bible's impact on your favorite musicians and artists, the way we measure time, social justice, our national monuments, and more. The Bible's impact is all around you. Discover how at museumofthebible.org impact. This is Empowering Homeschool Conversations, provided by Sped Homeschool. Go to spedhomeschool.com to get resources and support for teaching your unique learner at home. I'm trained as a precept Bible study leader, so I, um, I've, when I brought up my kids, I actually brought out the, the references for the Greek and the Hebrew and made them dig into that. And it, it's just so much more powerful for them to really come to an understanding and for them to dig out that truth and, and to really relate like you're talking about back and forth with, with what was God really saying or what was really happening in this instead of just, like you say, going through the motions of that and, and turning that into to, to, I never even thought of it though, as we're teaching critical thinking. I was thinking, I, I'm just teaching my kids how I find the Bible much more applicable to my life and, and really for God to speak into my life too. Because, like, you know, just this story that you just gave us is, you know, now I can apply the Sabbath in a much more reasonable way instead of saying, I'm just following the rules because this is what this book says. Right. I, I, I think that God provided a human being with rational thought. We should be able to approach the Bible in a very rational way, but also yeah. with some mystery. God yeah. is infinite. His mm-hmm. word is infinite. What we have is the canonization of Scripture. We yes. have This is the sacred yeah. text. So we have finite words that we're engaging with in a heavenly word. And this should be this shouldn't be a strange concept in Christianity because the, what's the first verse? In the Gospel of John, in the beginning was the Word. So wait a second, hold on. If I go through the Genesis chapter 1 narrative, it doesn't say that God created a heavenly Word. But that means in Jesus' time, this concept of there was a heavenly Word that we're attaching ourselves to, right? Right. And we know in Proverbs Proverbs chapter 8 that wisdom doesn't mean Greek wisdom. It means Mm -hmm. Bible wisdom. means right. A God's heavenly word that came through what we have in the words of the Bible. That's the only wisdom that counts. But that wisdom was with God before the world came into being. And through the this heavenly word, right. created the world. Means the IKEA instruction manual <laughs> to yeah. create this world comes from God's heavenly word. And so when we're engaging in God's word, uh, we're basically 
engaging in the heavenly word. That's what we call Holy Spirit in the word. When you have that aha yeah, moment, you was, finally got it. It's right. more than now. I, if give me chapter and verse, or I finally I didn't catch that word beforehand. It's this sort of deeper emotion exactly. that you got something, and the light bulb finally clicks on. Mm-hmm. That's Holy Spirit in the Word. Well, why? Why is that happening? Because you're finally uh, taking the finite words in the Bible and now really engaging in the heavenly word. That's our aha moments. That's the Holy Spirit moments with, with the word. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was thinking about that as just before you started talking about that, you know, that, that difference between, you know, just that, that head knowledge and what we, you know, know as wisdom, which is that, that deep connection and understanding with it and how that relates to, to critical thinking and um, just how important that is. So, so yeah, that was, that's definitely those, those aha moments um, are great. So, um, so yeah. Um, So we were going to talk a little bit about, you know, applying this for students who have various abilities since our audience has students with, um, with sometimes learning struggles, um, intellectual disabilities, and, and maybe parents are saying, well, this sounds great for, you know, maybe a student who has a higher level of thinking. How can we make this more relatable so that we can even teach the, these types of, of critical thinking, um, biblical knowledge um, in a way that they would connect with that so what what we've done through biblical excavations is not only i think presenting for the very first time critical thinking and break understanding and the book is going to teach you how to dissect the, the text like a a forensic mm. case is happening we're going to put the do not cross yellow tape around it and you're going right. to be a sherlock holmes detective and we're going to go piece by piece, just what I went through in Genesis chapter one. So I'll give you another way that we can look at this. Yeah. Um, the very first of the very first verse of the Bible in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Right now, yeah. everyone knows that translation. But if you look in the Hebrew, which is what we're doing again, we're trying to provide Hebraic understanding. Right. Uh, you never you should start off the Bible with God's name. OK, Le- leave the hmm. Hebrew for a moment. Just say God created the beginning with the heavens and the earth. That would have okay. been a nicer way of starting off the Bible. If 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 this is truly about God and right. we know it's his word, mm-hmm. then I would have expected, I would have expected what I would call the David Necrutman version of the Bible. <laughs> All right. That we should start off with the main character, God. But for some reason, right. we're beginning with this word in the beginning. Uh, what, you yes. don't need to know Hebrew yet, but that is... That is the art of the question, okay. in essence. Yeah. You, why is it phrased this way? Mm-hmm. Now, let's begin. we got to go through a Hebraic journey right now. And that Hebrew word, bereshit, appears several times in the Hebrew Bible. But if I was going to translate that word in Hebrew, bereshit, it would be in the beginning of. Okay. Well, name me one Bible translation that puts of. And you don't find yeah, it, you don't. right? Yeah. And there's and there's a reason why because translators are trying to deal with the first three words of the Hebrew Bible. This is very complicated mm-hmm. grammar, a, a very complicated word choice, and a very mm-hmm. complicated uh, grammar structure. So if I would literally translate the Hebrew, it would be in the beginning of He created God. 
Hmm. Now that sounds heretical. Right. <laughs> right? That sounds very heretical. But if, I do, if I'm doing a word by word translation, it's problematic. So here are here are the our, our hmm. translators who are believers in God. Now we're trying to grapple with a weird grammar structure. Yeah. We don't have the subject beginning the verse. Hmm. What, how do we translate this? Right. right. And then if you throw in the theology, which many people do, of God is creating something out of nothing, what we call in Latin creation ex nihilo, right? Mm -hmm. Then wait, then it's like, wait a second. So it becomes even more problematic. So with an awkward grammar structure and an awkward word choice, because uh, right. if I'm thinking of the chronology of creation, then I would never use in Hebrew that word bereshit. I would use a different Hebrew word. Okay, so your audience has to trust me for a moment. Yeah, then okay. I know Hebrew. Okay, mm -hmm. and not only that, I want your audience members also to know that I graduated from Oral Roberts University with a master's in biblical literature. So I'm coming. This is also from a scholarly point of view, but I'm not throwing scholarly stuff at you. Just know that you, in, in a typical um, sentence, you want the subject to be first. Hmm. Okay. And in fact, if you actually look at the, the positioning where God is in the first three words of the Bible, he's in the third word, which is, huh. you, I would never put God in the third word. Okay, if you want a little subject matter for the first word, then put uh -huh. God in as the second word. So it's, it's very complicated. So just that alone becomes an opportunity to excavate revelation. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So the, I'm, I'm dissecting it. I'm trying to be a detective right now. Right. And the, what we're trying, what we're going to introduce in, in the curriculum is the very first word of the Bible is an anagram in Hebrew. Oh, okay. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Now that anagram, yes, it shows the word in the, it shows the word in the beginning of, mm -hmm. but if you rearrange the letters, it's going to have this concept called Yirat Shabbat means Sabbath awe. Hmm. Now, this should be a big thing that inherent in this first word of the Hebrew Bible is Sabbath. This becomes now Sabbath, everyone thinks, happened at Sinai. When I'm saying Sabbath already happened, at, not only on the seventh day of creation, but the very first thought of God in beginning the Bible is already hidden in the very first word of the Bible. That's why Hebraic understanding is important. So right. God's last creative act is his original intention. Hmm. That the world is going towards a Sabbath. Now we can understand Isaiah. Right. At the end of the book, Isaiah 66, 23, where it says, from new moon to new moon, from Sabbath to Sabbath, all will worship me, says the eternal. Hmm. Isaiah is envisioning everyone who is committed to God to be celebrating a redemptive Sabbath. Right. All right. And remember, for, Christians know this, that Isaiah is the second most quoted book in the New Testament. The number one book mm -hmm. quoted in the New Testament is Psalms, obviously. Right. Mm -hmm. But if we go into the prophets, it's Isaiah. So Isaiah is pretty important, not only for Jews, but also important for Christians. Right. And Isaiah is, opens up his book by rebuking a nation for outwardly celebrating Sabbath, but not inwardly having the right motivation for Sabbath. Right. Somehow mm -hmm. he's narrated with this end time positive prophecy that all will be celebrating a redemptive Sabbath, mm -hmm. right? Well, 
it makes sense if you look at how Scripture explains Scripture. Right from the mm-hmm. beginning, God's original intention was his last creative act. So that means at the end, somehow, Sabbath will be celebrated by all of us. Yeah, that's beautiful. Yeah. And when you start digging into that, it's just, um, it, yeah, like you said, it comes back to that critical thinking and yeah. everything just starts to make sense. And I, I think in, um, well, we had one question and I think this really applies here. Um, and so this this viewer of ours or in from our community says, how do you help a child who's embraced the most present day secular ideologies see that there's room for this critical view of said ideologies, you know, just um, of of those these biblical truths and and how do they fit into the, the day in and the day out, especially for kids who have kind of slid into the the more secular views in, in our world. And, um, and so how do you take what, you know, you were just talking about and, and how do we, you know, really apply that to, to students who say, well, I don't know if the Bible really relates to me, um, and, and bridge that divide. Bridge the divide. Okay. So I, first of all, the challenges for a teenager today has been greatly amplified in the times that I grew up. So I'm 49 Mm -hmm. years old. If you would have told me some of the stuff that's being introduced in the public school, let alone what's happening in the outside world, and everything is going to be exposed to you in your phone. Right. There was no no context for that. That was, you know, the Jetsons. <laughs> I'm in my 50s, car- so I totally understand that. <laughs> that we, grew, we grew up with the Jetsons. That was like right. science yeah. fiction for us, right? That was a cartoon. Somehow we're going to be having our cars in the air. That's right. how out of the box this type mm-hmm. of thing is all about. So the challenge for parents today is more than ever beforehand. I want to start off with that nugget, number one. Number two, the greatest title that a person could be in the service to God is an educator. And that goes back to Genesis chapter 18, verse 19. For the very first time, God reveals why Abraham is elected. Because he's going to teach his children about him, about God. He's going to talk about his his loving kindness. He's going to talk about his his uh, justice, right? right, to the next generation. So Abraham is picked because God is confident that he's going to be an educator. Hmm. So the highest, in my opinion, my humble opinion, the highest title you can have is an educator. You can never outsource faith. Right, no. And you can't just rely – on the church, you can't rely on the synagogue mm-hmm. alone. It has to come from within the home. Right. And therefore, but at the same time, because the children today and their time and their attention time span is short, we have mm-hmm. to be very creative in the way we're delivering Bible. That the, they're looking yes. at it as an exciting journey, not as a painful uh, exercise right. to do. Mm-hmm. And it could be, listen, it wasn't always... Listen, I went to. I was very fortunate that I went to a, a religious a parochial school as a, as a, as a child, uh, but it was ex- sometimes excruciating pain to get through some of these Bible classes. So, <laughs> right. I, okay, I just want. It's not like I want. Don't I don't want people to think somehow I didn't have struggles growing up with the Bible. Yeah. But one of the things, one of the things when you're dealing with a teenager is they're since they're already trying to figure out their identity, 
-hmm. Critical thinking is important to it. Absolutely. And we shouldn't be afraid with the question. And how do we go yes. ahead and, and address uh, a child's identity process going through the teenage years, but mm -hmm. looking at the Bible in a way that they can connect to? Yeah. So, so, so again, when I go ahead and I'm, I'm providing critical thinking and break understanding, if, you're treating the, if your child sees you treating the Bible as an adventure, as a journey, yeah. as something exciting, mm -hmm. As opposed, you need to read three chapters today and do a check mark. Right. Yes. Right. That mm -hmm. means you have to be with your child in the deep dive right. of scripture. So you Absolutely. have to come prepared. Mm -hmm. And and it's it's always interesting because growing up, children often will engage with adults when there are questions. Yes. Because well, you're so valuing yes. right, you're valuing the other person's opinion to give the answer. Mm -hmm. Right. The the job and the task of the parent is to mold how that person is saying that question so they can go ahead and provide and, the empowerment that that the child will eventually discover for him or herself how absolutely. to do this alone but if we start off with i have to do this as opposed to mm -hmm. i'm getting up every day because i'm going to learn a little bit more about god's word and how 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 infinite God's wisdom is in this that it could apply right. to my life. That's great. So you, so the parent has to do some homework, right? Right. Yeah. Right. And and I know this is a struggle for parents because they there's you, again most of the Bible curriculums out there today is a devotional approach to Scripture. So for a parent, yes. I know many parents are trying yeah. to go to different resources on the internet and during sort of creating a hodgepodge mm -hmm. of how I'm going to go ahead and. Uh, interact with my child. And this is the reason yeah. why I'm passionate about what I'm doing right now is because I want to create a one-stop shop in delivering and and trying to teach someone how to do that. The parent, right. I'm assuming the parent is going to read what I'm I'm writing and mm -hmm. going to engage what I'm writing. So, so for example, it, not every child can just read something and get it. Exactly. Right? Yes. Right? And we know our children today are as part of the TikTok generation. Uh, fast 4K videos and stuff like that. So mm -hmm. we made it a point that when we are going through the text and the study guide, that we would provide 4K video of how to excavate uh, this type of revelational nugget from a mm -hmm. site in Israel. So I know for a fact that there's never been a Bible curriculum for high schoolers that will bring the Holy Land to the student, right? Right. So, thank, so I, I thank God for my own, my elder son, who's a, a video editing genius. <laughs> and I'm able to go ahead and lay out my division and he can put it in visually and he understands the generation. I'm right. very old school. Mm -hmm. right? My, my son really gets how to do this. And now we're bonding together and creating this, this um, first time type of Bible curriculum. So we're trying to make it exciting. Imagine going yep. ahead and learning a revelational nugget, as we talked about in Genesis chapter one, from the Sea of Galilee. Hmm. Imagine if you're going mm -hmm. to Capernaum. These stories that the children are growing up with, they actually get to see it. And then we walk them through step by step visually That's on genius. how to do that. Yes. Right? Yeah. And then some people still need that reinforcement and the audio mm -hmm. becomes important. So we created a podcast to do a deep dive in some of the concepts. It's a podcast dedicated to the child. Ah, oh, very cool. Yes. Right. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, because that's that's what they engage with, and so you're, you're meeting them where they're they're at. Right. So that's the, it's one of the keys. That's the key. What mm-hmm. tools are already out there that I can make the Bible exciting as a journey, where mm-hmm. where the student is part of the engagement process, as not talked down to, mm-hmm. but feels that they're part of. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think the, the the thing that you you pointed out most was that that getting the question out of them. I love when you said that because um, oftentimes all we're doing is we're we're shoving information into them and yeah. saying, "Can you repeat what I just told you?" And instead, that that wisdom that we're going back to that you talked about earlier, it has to come from within and be processed within in order for it to really be relatable. Um, so that makes so much sense, which what right. you're talking so I, about. I, if we go back mm-hmm. to the Genesis one uh, nugget that we went through, if, I, mm-hmm. if I'm engaging with my child, right? Well, forget about mm-hmm. what the Hebraic re- nugget was. You have, a, a, you have the seven days of creation. What I want you to do is go over the text and name me at least three expression patterns that repeat itself. Ah, yes. Okay. Yep. Uh-huh. Right. Yeah. And then also, how many times does it says God God saw? How many times does it say God said? Mm-hmm. Tell me the, where you compete. And then can you come up with an explanation of what good means in the creation narrative, which gets repeated? Right. Yep. Right? Mm-hmm. It, it's not good like this tastes good. Right. It's not good. Yep. That's good, mm-hmm. good versus bad. Right. Right. Yes. Uh-huh. So, what? How is this good in the creation narrative different than that we normally think of good? Yes, absolutely. So, yeah. Right? So mm-hmm. the, the text becomes a different type of text. Uh, we went through the same thing, but the way I'm delivering the material mm-hmm. for the student, uh, the student now needs to say, "Oh, okay. Now I have to go through this." Right. Yeah. It's, it's like a scavenger hunt almost. It's exactly. And, a scavenger hunt. and yes. I was, and I was trying to come up with the, <laughs> I was trying to come up with the, with the, with the game. And thank right. You. Like, yeah. Really yeah. So then that's what I loved about when I learned how to teach from a precept um, method is that you do, you go in and you mark different words, different colors or with different symbols. And then you go back through and you take each of those, those words and what did that scripture specifically say about that specific word? And then you make a list and then, you know, to just to, to kind of um, marinate in that. Um, yeah. And it really does bring what the Bible says about that word versus what like a dictionary definition says about that word or how the story narrates around those words. Um, and and so, yeah, it's it, it makes it interactive and, yep. and you don't need. Yeah, anything super fancy to do that. <laughs> you really don't. And I think even like if you're going into the New Testament and you're dealing, let's say, a third of, of Jesus' teachings is in parable story format. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Right? But uh, we usually people just get a little bit of the, the nugget of the parable. Uh, whether the parable took place or not, that's not of my concern right now. The concern is, is why is Jesus using a why parable? Is he, right, exactly. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, the, the the quick answer is is that Jesus wants an immediate decision. Huh. Okay. Yeah. It's, he he. Before Nike came up with the slogan "Just Do It," <laughs> Jesus came along with a parable story format, right. really saying, "What's your decision? Make your decision right now." 
And here, right. here's a perfect example, okay? And this is where Hebraic understanding and critical thinking comes into place. Matthew mm-hmm. chapter 19, verses 16 through 30, all right? Now, the most famous thing from that, from that story is everybody's going to talk about or, or condemn wealth or riches when we're dealing with the rich man and Jesus, right? I, I, I've always been fascinated in studying the New Testament for 22 years about mm-hmm. that story in particular. I think it's, a, it's an amazing story. But more people, I've heard more sermons about what Jesus is bringing out in the parable about the rich man and wealth, as opposed to the dialogue that's happening right. between the rich man and Jesus. First mm-hmm. of all, often, often the Gospels will identify who the questionnaire is. Right. Mm-hmm. Questionnaires coming along, who are they? It could be the leaders, whoever it is. But right. what we have is an anonymous rich person. Mm-hmm. And... The question he's asking is, how can I obtain eternal life? Right. Now, Jesus' one-line answer is very simple. Keep the commandments. Mm-hmm. That's it. Question is answered. Right. Now the rich man is now pressing, saying, well, I, 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 can you name me, some of the, name me some of the commandments, right? Right. Now he's becoming a little yep. bit of a wise guy. Um, and then Jesus say, okay, I'll bring out some of the Ten Commandments, right? Mm-hmm. That's what usually, and then I'll bring the Leviticus chapter 19 famous verse of love thy neighbor as yourself. Mm-hmm. Okay. And he says, well, I've been doing that. Yeah. Okay. So pay attention. The dialogue is important because for the setup, for the punchline at the end of the day is going to be important. So remember, we started off with a question. Mm-hmm. This is the proof that how important questions are. Jesus answered. The person is not satisfied with the answer. We're not sure why the person is not satisfied with the answer, but it's going to be a revealing moment as why he's not satisfied with the answer. Because what the rich man is looking for is a quick, rich scheme to guarantee Mm -hmm. eternal life. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Right? Okay, so now this is a discipleship moment that Jesus sees in front of him. Right. And he's offering the rich man, basically, you can't look at eternal life as how you think of material wealth and how you accumulated your wealth. It's mm-hmm. not trying to go ahead and, and invest in Amazon and hopefully it'll, the stock will rise. <laughs> right. That's it. This is not how you treat eternal life. Yeah. This is a lifelong journey. We're going to go ahead and provide you the discipleship program. But in order for you to even attempt to come into that discipleship program, you're going to have to do the thing that's the most hard to do is nothing that you actually own is yours. Right. That's why he's saying give it. You have to give Give it up. He's he's not giving up. Mm -hmm. Not to walk away. Jesus doesn't say to walk away with it, walk away from it all. He says take it and then give to the poor, meaning Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, we are just vehicles of the material bounty get, that God gives us. We utilize it for God's kingdom, right? right. Yeah. Now mm-hmm. the rich man's being challenged to really think about for, for a moment here. Wait, wait, I can, I just wanted the one commandment mm-hmm. that I will have guarantee my eternal life. And now right. you're telling me I have to do a, like I have to do a journey and I have to recalibrate my paradigm thinking. No, 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 no. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right. again, you didn't know, have to know Hebrew 
but you do have to understand the culture. This person obviously believed in eternal life, which is could right. could be very exactly. shocking. Not everyone, not every Jewish yes, there were. Judaism believed. The Sadducees uh-huh. only they believed didn't. in the five books of Moses. Mm-hmm. And yes. they um they didn't believe in eternal life. They only believed life in this world only. So you have to know right. that. And the mainstream, one of them, they're one of the most influential Judaisms in Second Temple period. Just remember that. That's mm-hmm. an important, important point. So obviously, if the person is coming along and asking the question, what do I need to do to obtain eternal life? The person actually believes in eternal life. Right. Right. And we know from the answers, like, okay, I've been doing that. So, mm-hmm. but he's not looking for He's not looking for the journey. He's not looking at this from a paradigm that right. is, this is this is this is all all we're doing here in this physical world is the preparation for the next world. Mm-hmm. Right. right. Exactly. And Jesus has yeah. this moment. He's, so instead of entitling it as the as the as the uh, the rich man or the young rich man, which is usually the title, mm-hmm. I would entitle this differently and call it the rejection of Jesus' discipleship. Hmm. That's really yeah. what's what happened there. And the question is, why did he reject it? Because he's thinking in secular, what we would call paganism terms of how you accumulate things. Yeah. What's my quick way to riches? Exactly. And, right? Yeah. How do I safeguard yeah. those riches? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, as you're you're talking about this, the the thought of being in the back of my mind is our kids are all taught to think that way. Exactly. That's and, the reason why I'm bringing it out, and, because yes. secularism <laughs> is about me. Yes. I'm the greatest. So how does a parent like yeah. switch that with these like, you know, questions um, and, and, and bring that to a, I guess, a more comfortable place? Because our kids don't even want to answer those questions. It, it's just so, you know, that wall goes up. No, I've got the answer. I found it on the internet <laughs> and I'm good. I mean, they don't even know they have questions anymore. Uh, so, you know, what, right. what do you do so to what, so invoke you, that curiosity? You, and, for yeah. my own children, because my mm-hmm. old children often, often uh, ask me questions that we would consider very hard or we would never ask our own parents when growing up. But that's great right. because mm-hmm. I want that. I want them to go right. through this. Yes. The thing that I would actually bring to the table, just at a, again, the presentation sometimes is very important. Like, don't, did you, like I would ask, does God really need us? Hmm. Like if you believe in God, right? Do you, if you really Mm -hmm. believe in the God and if you actually look at the history of humanity, we're not batting 1000 right now. Okay. (laughs) So, We're not, we have all these things. So like, if you believe in God and you believe in his word, why is God doing this? Yeah. Right. God doesn't Mm -hmm. need us. No, God, you're, and so now you're having a conversation. The conversation is coming from the parent. I want to hear from you. Why would you think you would do this? You have to go through that journey. But ultimately at the end, this is never about God needing us. Hmm. It's about God wanting us. And the difference between need and want and that means God wants a relationship with humanity, but he wants humanity to freely choose that relationship. Right. Right. And therefore you have to deal with the concept of free choice. So mm. these are 
big topics, big concepts, but I think children developing their identity are already asking the questions. They are. So you can't yes. be afraid of the mm-hmm. questions. Sometimes it's better Absolutely. for the parent. Did you ever wonder why? Like before we get into the Bible lesson today, I just have to say, I'm just curious where you're coming from. I would tell this to my kid. Mm-hmm. Why does God create this world? And if he looks, if you look from, from the, you know, what we call almost the 6,000 years of human history recorded in the Bible, Right. Again, I don't think we're batting 1,000. Before we even deal with all this, why? What do you think? Exactly. Yes. Allow, the, allow the child. This is where you're basically being a facilitator. Right, because they probably haven't even contemplated that question before, and you've just yeah. introduced it and laid it on the table. Yes. Right. So mm-hmm. the child feels like, oh, if my parent's asking the question, then it's okay to ask the question. Yeah. Can't be afraid of the exactly. question. Right? And then... Okay, so God wants to have a relationship with us. Okay, so inherent in how God is introducing himself in the Bible and how he's introducing the human being, then Mm -hmm. the main component about the human being is that the human being is created in his image. Well, what does that mean? Right. You just right? go on a rabbit trail with more and more questions. Going and, more and more but more that's questions, so good. But, right. But yes. that's but that's the thing. Truly, education is not an overload of information. Absolutely. If you want that, because often, you know, a lot of times when we're um, and again, I had this growing up in my own school. Mm-hmm. I wish I would have told my teacher and wish we had email back then. Just put all this information in an email and I'll read it and give me the right. test and I'll study for the test. But the journey of the Bible is not about the test. It's not about an overload of information. It's trying to really, at the end, excavate the sacred text to know more of what God wants of us. Because our freedom Mm -hmm. is not defined by, I can do whatever I want. It's an understanding that freedom comes with responsibility. Like I would say, like, again, the United States is different than any other country in the world. Because it's predicated on covenant. Hmm. Yeah. It's covenantal politics Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. This is why the, you know, sometimes the conversations are are painful today because we're dealing with politics. Because what does a godly society look like? How are we supposed to, in partnership with God, to do what we need to do for him in this world? The world is broken. Mm-hmm. But there, but there is a text that provides the guidelines on how to do that. Exactly. Right. Yep. It's not what I feel. You know, this is not a mm-hmm. Peace Corps. I'm not doing right. this till I can I can get some credits for college. This <laughs> is about my life with God and what we do here and and what we'll have in the next world by by having mm-hmm. this salvation with God. So. It again, this is just again, just because we're just, you know, having mm-hmm. this conversation is just the beginning of how to look at the Bible from a very different way than we've been taught growing up. And where right. I believe, again, exactly. if you're, I've, I've always said to Christians, just look what Jesus is doing in mm-hmm. the Gospels and you have a great way of looking how you dissect scripture. Right. Yeah. Yeah, that's. That's great. And Jesus so many times dealt with those those tough questions, not not the the ones that the, you know, the the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they had all kind of figured out the rules that could go with the answers um, and instead got to the meat of the heart 
of, and that's where those questions really dive in. So we have a really hard question from a viewer that I'd love for you to address because a lot of our families deal with some very complicated um, issues. I know just in my own team alone had um, yesterday somebody running to the ER because their child was like, yeah, it, I mean, crazy medical things happen in our families and, you know, all these things. And, and we question God ourselves and we don't even know where to come to those answers with. So one of our viewers said, you know, as a messianic, our family struggles with the child's medical um, corrected diagnosis that from birth has since resurfaced and is now causing developmental disruption plus special needs symptoms that we thought were fixed and gone upon surgical correction. What advice do you have for families that experience comebacks and setbacks during life with faith in God to help them see them through it all? And that's from Elaine. All right. So ultimately the question really is why do bad things happen to good people? That's ultimately yeah. what that, what's the motivation behind that question. So first of all, we have to acknowledge the pain of the family going through it. Right. That's number one. Number two, uh, we have to pray that we ask for God's wisdom and the complete restoration of mind, body, and soul. It's not just the physical ailment that's hurting the kid. It's also having its effects for the whole dynamic of the family. And right. that will cause. So I, I think you have to also look at that that entire um, scenario. Exactly. Uh, okay. Mm -hmm. So it, to go ahead and say, it, and it would be very unsympathetic to try to go ahead and answer with a one-liner. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. But if I if I look at Psalm twenty-three as my foundational mm -hmm. psalm, I know that God never promises me a rose garden. Right. But what he does promise is that he'll be walking with you. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I think when many people go through a family situation like that, they often, what they usually verbally articulate is the aloneness. Mm. Yes. Right? And, and, and often we, just practically speaking, sometimes when, when we have our friends who go through these situations and you just say, what can I do? Yes. A lot of times yeah. you already know the answer from your friend. There's really nothing you can do. Mm -hmm. Right. Absolutely. But often if the friend is a friend, they will say what means so much is that you're here. Yes, absolutely. Right? And that, that means everything. I'm, you know, um, and because you are there, there's an ability to may, maybe carry the burden a little easier. Mm -hmm. So again, right. there we don't we we shouldn't try to give answers to why there are medical conditions out there today. Um, but I would say in this generation, more than any other generation, uh, there's more hope given through the wisdom that God provides in the world for doctors and researchers to so hopefully true. find cure, cures for that. So mm -hmm. I think. Uh, I know many people want to pray for the immediacy of a cure and somehow from laying on hands will, will, hmm. will be a one-stop shop for everything. It does happen. <laughs> it does happen. But at the end of the day, there is a natural order of the world. Right. And mm -hmm. um, this is why you have the choice in your life to make a difference. Yeah. And, that, and for the doctors and researchers in the medical field, they made a choice say, I want to alleviate disease. Mm -hmm. That should be no less of a miracle 
than someone laying hands on somebody and being cured from it. Right. So, yep. so again, I, I can't take away the pain for the person who's going through this, but mm -hmm. if I'm looking at, if I'm looking at God and I'm looking how he's providing the text for this, Psalm 23 is something um, foundational for both Judaism and Christianity. It's said, well, it's one of those Psalms that we pray to heal the sick. It's actually mm -hmm. one of those Psalms that unfortunately if someone passed away, yes. right? We also say, yep. it's interesting. Mm -hmm. A Psalm that's used for sickness is also used for death. Yeah. And something's not expecting. But if you actually pay attention to, I, I'm going to give a little, little Hebraic nugget over here. Because okay. the, as everyone knows, your audience, Christian audience knows, the first translation of the Hebrew Bible was done in Greek, known as the Septuagint. Right. Mm -hmm. The second translation of the Bible was in Aramaic. So Jesus knew Greek, Hebrew, and Aramaic. Hmm. Right? So I just want you to, so, but I know your audience members know this. Psalm 23 and its translation to Aramaic was more of a commentary, and it was all based upon what happened in the desert hmm. of the generation that experienced the exodus right. from Egypt ended up in a desert but did not die in a sense yes. of I didn't have food and water. Hmm. You're not supposed to live in the desert. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> You're not going to make it if you don't have food and water Just and the weather conditions and all this other stuff that all the things that happen somehow we managed in the 40 years to survive and go to the promised land. Right. Right. So Psalm 23 in the way it was understood in Jesus's time as a translation and commentary all was related to that unprecedented moment. Hmm. Was it rough? It was. There were wars. Amalek came. Right. Yep. Yeah. Right? Mm -hmm. Okay. There were many situations, but at the end of the day, we survived. Why? God's with with us. And that's the point of the psalm. Hmm. And we are not promised a rose garden, but we are promised that God is with us in that. And that makes right. all the difference. Yes. That, that's fun. I, I love that answer. It's just beautiful and um and so true. And and it is it is that that comfort, that presence that is is more important than the fix and and unfortunately when you are going through a hard time it's like the last thing that you want to hear but um you, you know i i battled cancer in 2020 when all the world shut down i was at the hospital um and that's where god taught me my presence with you is much more important than anything else and um and i i thank him for that experience because i did not know him that deeply until that experience happened. And um, now, you know, I can tell that story to other people um, from my own perspective and send, instead of saying, well, just buck up, God's with you. <laughs> it's, it's a little harder. Um, but but to say, you know, he he's there and you will grow closer to him. Just lean into that. And um, that's so important. So I have one last question for you. And I know sure. you're on a short time and I do want you to talk about your curriculum and how parents connect with that. But we had one question from a viewer that asked, are there any seminary training programs open to young adults with cognitive disabilities, such as autism, for example? That's from Stephanie. Do you know of any um, resources like that? So, uh, the answer is no, uh, but that's a great question. And then I will have to go ahead and research that. 
And okay. Yeah. I, yeah I want, so part of, part of, part of this whole journey and asking questions is sometimes you don't have the answer. Exactly. You yes, you don't. That you don't have the answer. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, so I don't have the answer to that. Uh, yeah. so I'm sorry. And that's a great I, I example have... that you just set too, because as parents, we need to say that to our kids too. And, um, and it's okay. It's okay. Let's go find that together. Let's pray about it. Let's see what God reveals. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. So, so talk to us a little bit about biblical excavations and, um, and what you're doing there and the resources you have for homeschooling families. Uh, sure. So, uh, the vision again, the vision of, uh, so, let me just begin. I, I began in Jewish Christian relations over 20 years ago, serving the Israeli Council in New York as director of Christian affairs, served the Orthodox Jewish movement for since 2007 until 2021, September 2021. Uh, so advancing that relationship uh, uh, in the Jewish Christian relational world, I have this, this position in advancing. We actually facilitated the first Orthodox rabbinical statement positive towards Christianity um, and, and, and saying that Christianity is part of the divine will of God. And so from our side to Christianity's uh, hand extension of friendship, this was a big moment that wow. we facilitated. Uh, I was behind the scenes for some of the initiatives of college students coming to Israel to become educated ambassadors and understanding the complexity of, of this place. And there's a lot of complexity where I'm from right now. And I'm yeah, pretty I'm sure. sure some of your, your, pe your people, your network, uh, see the news lately of all the protests is happening right now. So there's a very complex Absolutely. country. Um, but we were at one time, the crossroads between two civilizations in ancient biblical history between Mesopotamia and Egypt. We, we right. were the right. We were this this. Uh, and God chose this place. And mm -hmm. at the end of the day, I look at this at, as the Jewish people have returned back after two thousand years in accordance with biblical prophecy. Mm -hmm. um, I have the privilege of living in this time. My ancestors prayed for this. I'm living it. I wake up every morning to miracles that I even see Christians coming to the land, which. I think many Christians might surprise, be surprised at that statement, but if I look at it, how many people identify themselves as Christian and how many actually show up here right. in Israel, uh, it's less than a half a percent of Christianity. Mm -hmm. So to me, this is all part of the biblical prophecy. I can't be who I am as a Jew living in Israel without you. Right. Okay, I yeah. often hear yeah. in, in certain Hebraic circles of Christianity, well, we can't be us without you. And I, I say, that's that's great, but mm -hmm. I can't be who I am without you. Because at the end, this is not a, a VIP club. It's not an exclusive right. VIP club. It's mm -hmm. not uh, uh, American Express, you know, membership has its privileges. <laughs> this, is about, this is about us right. and bringing more exactly. of God into the world. Mm -hmm. um, so therefore, in, in my stage in life, where I was able to advance so much I can do within my own movement. What can I do that will be passionate for me in the next 25 years? And I just looked at, well, the greatest thing is to be an educator. Yeah, I want to be part of that. If I can move the pendulum that Christians can appreciate the roots of their faith and they're seeing their, their roots and their identity in a narrative with us. Right. Uh, it's a bigger picture. It's more than just, mm -hmm. you know, your community. This is, yeah. this is worldwide, 
consequences mm-hmm. at the end of the day. And I want, right. I want the children to feel that they're part of this. Again, I, if I'm coming from a Christian point of view, you go to Romans 11, it's, it, this would be sort of the root and branch concept. Mm. Uh, and therefore, from, from a, even from a Christian point of view, we're part of this tree. Yeah. And we're supposed to be influencing the world through our branches mm-hmm. out there. Uh, and therefore, what can I do to make a young child who is looking at their identity now and you want to make sure I want Christians to be Christ centered? Yes. How are we going to do that if they don't have the roots of their faith, that they, they seem to be disconnected from that? So mm-hmm. if if Christians are believing that Jesus is divine, he's also human. And his humanity was born right. in a home. Mm-hmm. And that home was Jewish home. He was taught Jewishly. He's, uh, he learned Jewishly and he taught Jewishly. And, there, and therefore, there's a high definition that can be brought to that journey. And so that's the way I look at my, my calling right now. If I can help the young person see their identity, um, mm-hmm. then... As long as God is keeping me life, I want to continue to do that. Yeah, and He will speak into that, and and um, uniquely for each student, as you provide that that uh, framework for them. And so you have you have some videos. It's high school um, related. Yeah, there's a textbook. Yep. Textbook. Mm-hmm. Uh, textbook uh, study guide. The questions are there. The tests are there. Everything is in user friendly, self paced, mm-hmm. with uh, 4K video. Uh, to you know, just excavate a little bit more on that revelational nugget that we provide in the chapters. We have the podcast, and then uh, April fifth, the entire curriculum will be available. And then we we'll and after Passover, we begin working on an introduction to the parables. Uh-huh. So Very you good. just got a little bit yeah. of it All right. in this uh-huh. podcast today. So I gave you an exclusive, Peggy. Uh-huh. Right? Very cool. I'll have, to, I'll have to make sure I get that out there in social media and promote it for you. Um, so as far as like a high school, you know, some parents are thinking, so how many, you know, it, it, how many half hours credit, high school credit. credit? It's a half credit. Yeah, half to credit, a full credit. full credit. It, okay. it, the textbook itself with the study guide is a half credit and there's a supplement for a full credit. Okay, awesome. So that's biblicalexcavations.com if you're listening to the podcast and you don't see it on the screen. Um, and it'll be in the description too. We'll make sure that you have a link. Well, thank you so much, David. This has been it has been a wonderful way for me to start my day and with this conversation. Um, we had um, Fiona had, had popped on. I'm sorry I didn't, or Fonda, sorry, had popped on and, sa- and said hi at some point. I was um, so engrossed in the conversation, but I didn't see anybody else um, pop up. So, um, so thanks for joining us, all of you who have been on. We appreciate um, you being part of our, our community and um, these empowering homeschool conversations. I hope that this, um, this conversation today has blessed you as much as it's blessed me. Thank you, David, for all the work that you do um, and, and just for the passion that you have to, to bring people to a, a better um, just relationship with God and to really, like you said, impact the world. And that's what, what it's about. It's about living for him and, and um, being who he's created us to be. So, um, so awesome. Um, I'm excited for you and all that you have coming up. I can't wait to hear, hear more as, as that comes about. Um, So, so yeah, thanks. No problem. God bless. Yeah.
Yes, and um, so we'll be back um, next Tuesday, regular time. Um, this was kind of a bridge um, conversation. We were just finishing up with twice exceptional um, students, our theme last this month. And next month, we're diving into high school. So this, this really was a, a good conversation to kind of bring between the two. So we're going to dive into the topic of how to prepare a child who has intellectual disabilities for life after high school. So you'll want to join us for that conversation conversation on Tuesday afternoon. So God bless everybody. Take care. And, um, and we will see you um, next week here on the show. We'll see you then. Bye, everybody. I want to take just a second to thank the team at Life Audio for their partnership with us on this podcast. If you go to lifeaudio.com, you'll find dozens of other faith-centered podcasts in their network. They've got shows about prayer, Bible study, parenting, and more. This has been Empowering Homeschool Conversations with Peggy Ployer. Need more of God's power in your life? I'm Christina Patterson, host of the Teach Us to Pray podcast, providing practical tips on how to grow your faith through prayer. Subscribe at lifeaudio.com.